welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you stopped by. My name is Connor Morganti, and I'm devoted to bringing you the best of all things money each and every week. When it comes to money, do you feel like you missed something along the way? Do you ever think that financial prosperity just isn't in the cards for you? If this hits home, don't feel alone. I've talked to hundreds of women whose overarching feelings about money are stress and confusion. The financial world can be daunting. Trust me, I know it's not a subject that's always user-friendly, accessible, or directed particularly towards women. But, and it's a pretty important but, if you're ready to take charge of your personal finances, congratulations. There's nothing more empowering than understanding how money works, and more specifically, how it can work for you. Join me each week to get your free money coaching while all the while keeping the conversation real with straight talk and some humor. Because all my pals will confirm that I'm hilarious. If you've been searching for a helpful and heartfelt virtual learning opportunity without judgment, well, sister friend, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Southern Fried Business Podcast. Hey y'all, Connor here again with another episode on the Southern Fried Business Podcast. Uh, I am actually sitting in my car <laughs> waiting for my daughter to be done with her ski lessons and I thought, well, what a perfect time to uh, knock out another podcast episode. So today I wanted to talk to you about something that I think is becoming very near and dear to our hearts at this moment in time, which is how to recession-proof your money. Um, if you aren't feeling the effects of a recession, I think a lot of people are in denial that we are actually in a recession, but we're starting to see a lot of those indicators hold true that that is the path that we're going down. But at any rate, you probably have seen interest rates are going up. Gas prices are the highest they've ever been, or at least darn close. Food is expensive. I spent more than I've ever spent in my life at Costco <laughs> and so on. But I'm hoping that if you ha that you haven't felt the squeeze and won't. But just in case, I've come up with my top 10 tips on how to recession-proof your money. And believe it or not, it's not all about financial planning or things like that. A lot of them are just good common sense, but if you're anything like me, it might take somebody else telling you to do the same thing to actually jumpstart and get a scoot in your boot to get it done. And while these are great tips for recession-proofing your money, your checkbook, your bank account, etc., they're also great tips for any old time you're ready for a financial refresh coming up on the first of the year. We're going into the holidays and we're all a little hectic, but New Year's, you know, we're all eating healthier. We're all trying to get back in shape and, so, and do all the things. So it might be a good time to add your money to that New Year's resolution list as well. So let's dive right in. Number one, buy local. I think we all like to do this any way if possible, but Amazon is just so dang easy. But I think with just a little bit of extra effort, not even a whole lot, you might find that buying local is easier than you think. So one reason food is getting so expensive is because most grocery stores have to ship it. 
truckers deliver the goods all over the country from the store's distribution centers. And gas, with it being at its most expensive in our history, um, you know, what do you do? These truckers have no choice. They're, they're just buying the gas at what it's uh, set at. So what do you do? How do you buy local? How do you get a little more proactive on that topic? So I would seek out local farmers, ranchers, or even hobby farmers. I am a hobby farmer. I live in a mostly rural area, uh, but I also have access to professional ranchers and professional farmers. And to buy from them is way more reasonable because we've gotten rid of the middleman and they don't have to pay to ship it. If anything, it might cost me a dollar in gas to drive to town or drive to their location or a, you know, a, a agreed upon meeting place to give them the money and then they give me my bananas or my onions or my eggs or whatever. Um, but I'm a hobby farmer, right? I have chickens. Uh, and my sweet neighbor, Susan, <laughs> has ducks. So we trade eggs. I love duck eggs. They're delicious and they're humongous. Um, and sometimes you just get a little sick of duck eggs. So she appreciates the variety with some chicken eggs. Um, my wonderful husband bought me a garden and that's spelled with a Y. And it's a tower garden last Christmas. Uh, we bit the bullet, paid for a two-year membership because it can be a little expensive, but I receive free veggie pods every month, and those are veggie pods of my choosing, so I'm not getting kale, God help us. Um, I'm picking out the things that I can't grow on my own, whether it's because of where I live in Colorado or just because I am not talented, for some reason, at growing tomatoes. Um, but so my biggest thing that I like to grow at home in this garden tower is, uh, our, our lettuces, um, because it's a continuous growth cycle. So I never have to just cut off a head of lettuce and start all over from scratch. Um, but, and to be honest, this has been a lifesaver for me. Um, I can't seem to grow. I think I mentioned tomatoes or lettuce very well here in Colorado, and we have such a short growing season. So my garden system helps me grow them successfully with minimal effort on my part. And plus there's an app and they text you when it's time to do stuff. Water your plants, uh, add food, trim leggy things or whatever the case may be. Or, oh, it's time to order more pods, seed pods. Um, and you're probably now saying, okay, Connor, that sounds great and all, but I live in the city or maybe the burbs and I don't have any farms or ranches near me. Or I have a black thumb, like my sister, and can't grow anything to save my life. And I totally get it. But you need to think outside the box. Do you have a farmer's market in your area? Head over there and grab business cards. They typically have them right by the cash register. Um, make those connections. I met a local dairy farmer at my rotary lunch, and now I have access to local and homemade cheeses and milks. Opportunities are everywhere. All you have to do is ask. I think that's everybody's most hated three-letter word is ask. A-S-K. <laughs> All right, number two, check your mortgage. Interest rates are going up. They have to for many reasons, but what I'm suggesting you check your mortgage 
or why I'm suggesting that you check your mortgage, even if it's at a higher interest rate. Why would I tell you, well, maybe you should look at refinancing or maybe you should look at some other opportunities, even if you had to do it at a higher interest rate? That sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but let me explain. Financial media outlets have suggested that you should pay off your house via a 15-year mortgage or even extra payments. I won't get into the semantics of why this is generally a bad idea. However, if we're in a money crunch, we, meaning you and me, um, it might be time to look at a lower payment. So I don't know about you, but I remember 2008 vividly, uh, the Great Recession. So many people lost their homes because their payment reset to a higher amount that they could no longer afford. Let's hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Get that payment as low as you can go. And maybe that means refinancing at a higher interest rate if you can lower your payment. Bank the difference between your current mortgage payment and your lower mortgage payment. You might even not even go that much higher in interest rate. I'm making it sound really bad, but it isn't. Um, but bank that payment difference. If you have a $1,000 mortgage payment and you're able to refi, regardless of the interest rate, down to $800, bank that $200 a month, baby. If you make extra payments, if some fool told you to do that, put those on hold. Don't do it. Paying off your house in a recession is not a sign of value or accomplishment. Not going into foreclosure is a sign of accomplishment. So bank those extra payments. Put them in a side account, an emergency fund. So if something happens with your job or your health, you can still make your mortgage payments and not have to worry about going into foreclosure. Once we emerge from our crazy world financial situation, you can always refi it again or deposit all that extra cash back into your uh, mortgage um, with that bank that holds your mortgage, right? So it's not like I'm telling you, oh, take all that extra money and go buy shoes, which I might do, but I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to be smart. Let's be smarter than the average person. Okay, number three. Look for investment accounts that have built-in floors. And what the heck do I mean by a floor? Especially when I'm talking about your investment account and not building a house. So a floor in my world is when an account has built-in triggers to buy or sell positions like stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, or et cetera, to mitigate losses or to take advantage of gains right? Or upswings in the market. So here, if we're recession-proofing your finances, it's important to mitigate stock market losses. I cannot tell you how many friends have been calling me and telling me they're too afraid to open their 401k statements. Totally get it. Not exciting times in that situation, but if you had chosen investments, whether it's within your 401k or your personal accounts or what have you, that have these built-in triggers to buy or sell, you really could alleviate a lot of losses financially, as well as a lot of headaches and sleepless nights on your part. So here's a little tip. If you think a good basket of mutual funds is going to be your ticket to financial freedom, then I might recommend that we chat. I'll, that's all I'll say about that.
Okay, number four. Upload apps that have a saving component. Duh. I just uploaded an app called Upside. It's an app where you register then get discounts on gas and groceries. I'm still kind of figuring it out, but any savings is good savings. However, not that Upside has this, but just as a good rule of thumb, read the fine print to make sure that there aren't any weird requirements or things like that just to get these discounts or uh, cash back things. Okay, we are now on number five. Only shop for groceries where you can accumulate gas points. Most groceries do that these days, um, but some don't. Maybe some just don't have access to their own pumps. My local grocery store here in Steamboat Springs is a subsidiary of Kroger, and they offer gas points, and they have a, a an attached gas station. Um, or I go to Costco. I might have to drive to Vail, which, God help me, is a little bit of like a, over an hour away. But Costco has gas stations. They don't give me points necessarily, but they offer severely discounted gas, which is great right now. Um, but when I'm here in town and shopping, I consistently have a 10 cent discount every month just because I have to buy some food. So I go there. So I get my 10 point discount or my 10 cent discount. Six, come up with a side hustle or two or three. Now, this is a really good one. Why? Because it's beneficial on so many fronts. First, and obviously, money. If you have a product or brand you love, why not tell everybody you know? Odds are you already do. Then if you love it too, or if they love it too, excuse me, you make money when they buy or sign up. I have a friend, uh, an Instagram friend, right? We follow each other on Instagram and I love her stuff. Um, her name is Lene and she has a, I think her Instagram handle is beauty.house.co and it's all about makeup and skincare. She's my age, I think, um, which I'm not going to tell you what that is, even though you're probably going to ask me, um, but we're probably about the same age. And I tell you, since she started using her line of beauty products, her skin looks amazing. So if she's selling it, I'm probably going to buy it. I also love Melaleuca. So their products are amazing. And I tell everybody I know about them. My friend Courtney, who is my Melaleuca girl, has benefited on many fronts from me loving their products because I always refer people. If I was smart, I'd just sell it too so that when my buddies buy, I'd make a little extra cash. But do you have any opportunities here? Maybe you could still sell some of your unwanted stuff on an app like Poshmark. You can purge your closet, make some extra cash. Whatever you choose, you get an even bigger bang for your buck because that might create more tax deductions, especially if your main income is through a W-2 paycheck. If you are paid like every two weeks from your company, you are W-2. With these side hustles, you're going to be more likely self-employed or an independent contractor, which opens up that door for a lot of tax breaks, which could help your family and put more money back in your pocket, whether it's every paycheck or at the end of every year, whatever that looks like. Number seven, are you a beauty fanatic? Find some home options. I can't say that I'm beauty obsessed, and my pictures uh, reveal that on Instagram and Facebook, 
However, I do like to look my best at least most of the time, right? And when I don't, it's usually when I'm at the grocery store and see every single person I know. But I'm also kind of lazy when it comes to that kind of commitment. I would love to go get a manicure every two weeks or a gel manicure or whatever. I'm just not going to do it. I am of an age now. I understand myself really well and I'm just not going to do it and I'm not going to keep up with it. And it's just, I don't know why, but anyway, that's just me. So finding these home options has been key and essential for me. So I might or might not be sharing a video of me trying to color my own hair. Um, we'll see. Is it going to be a party because it looks so good? Or are we going to be crying into our wine glass because it's a disaster? I will report back. <laughs> Number eight, budget, budget, budget. Can I tell you I hate budgets? Not because I mind having the guideline for my spending, but mainly because I hate spreadsheets. I get a migraine just thinking about them. Now, if you love spreadsheets and worksheets, like my husband, then more power to you, sister. As for me, I'll share with you what I used to do way back in the olden days, like my daughter would say. Um, so back in college, a million years ago, when dinosaurs roamed, I was a waitress like a lot of us were. So my income was primarily cash. I would have a set of envelopes, each labeled, labeled with my different bills, rent, food, gas, and so on. Every shift, I would deposit cash into my various envelopes based on priority. I would fill up the rent envelope first, obviously, because I need a place to live, then utilities because I need lights or hot water, <laughs> then gas for my car so I could go to work and earn more money, and so on. Now, I would always have money left over each month that I would put into my savings account too. So I can hear you through this microphone or through my computer and this podcast saying, Connor, that all sounds well and good, but I don't get paid in cash. I have a paycheck that is auto-deposited. My bills are auto-drafted. Your envelope idea just won't work for me. But let's visit that, right? You can create <clears throat> a spreadsheet, workbook, or journal that accounts for all your money in and out. So even though it's not physically cash, you're still creating that envelope situation, but only on paper. Now, some of you might not be that disciplined, then just cash your flipping paycheck, get the envelopes and start stashing and planning. I think you'd be surprised on how much you'll end up saving and get ahead on your bills instead of always feeling like you're behind. And everybody thinks, oh gosh, I won't have any spending money. I can't do that. I wouldn't have any fun. Girl, you will have more than enough to have fun and do all the things too. It just takes a little bit of discipline on the front end. But I like big butts and I cannot lie, right? But if you need help with this, just message me. I will help you. I am only a message or that phone call or text away. Number nine, use what you have. If you're anything like me, it's always easier to just buy something new to make it fit into what you're trying to accomplish at that moment. Whether it's clothes or home decor, maybe office supplies or whatever that is. 
So earlier this year, my husband and I decided to put ourselves on what we call budget lockdown. (laughs) So we just not eliminate, but severely restrict our discretionary spending. We still go out to dinner periodically or, you know, treat ourselves to nice things. But for the most part, we're kind of banking our cash, right? Um, But maybe you don't have a lot of money. Maybe you don't think this could work for you. But whether your money situation is voluntary or involuntary, it's time to get creative. Check out my social for Thrifty Thursdays, say that fast three times, where I'll be sharing some great money-saving tips and creativity to make your dollars stretch. So it might not be about money in particular, but I'm posting about ways that something could save you money or eliminate an expense or something like that. So as an example, during COVID, I had purchased a Sally Hansen gel manicure set. It was at Walgreens. It saved me then, and it's saving me now. All in, the kit was around $60, which included a gel color. I've since purchased more color options, but for the price of one gel manicure at the salon, I have unlimited beautiful nails now for free. Think outside the box. What can you do in your own life that can eliminate an expense or expenses? Maybe it's zhuzh up an old outfit. Recycle some old home decor by painting it or reimagining it. Who knows? Maybe try out some DIY. You can do it. I know you can. And we are at number 10. Save more using life insurance. This is my only money one in the whole list, (laughs) so bear with me. So all of my beauty magazine headlines say things like 40 is the new 30 or 50 is the new 40, which is great for my ego um, because I certainly don't feel my age and hopefully I don't look like it either. But it's just, you don't have to be old, right? You can choose to have a younger mentality. But in the money world... 20 is the new 15, and 2 is the new 4. So let me say that again. 20 is the new 15, and 2 is the new 4. As my daughter would say way back in the olden days, guys and gals really good at math calculated that to live in retirement without running out of money, you could only pull 4% of your savings to live on. That's the first part of the equation, the number four, right? 4%. Many of my clients were shocked to learn this because they always assumed it was between seven and 8%. Let's break that down with a simple example. If you had saved 100,000 for retirement, then you could only pull $4,000 per year to be relatively certain you could not outlive your savings, right? Well, times they are a change in my friend. Those same smart math and money peeps have recalculated that 4%, and that number has now decreased to 2.8%. That's where I say two is the new four. So if you worked hard all your life and saved a million bucks, then we celebrate your retirement with champagne. Yay, great job, kid. 
And then I tell you, you can only live on $28,000 a year. You'd probably smack my face. <laughs> I know I would, right? Because what, in what, at least in way back in the olden days, right? When you were a millionaire, that meant you made it. You made it, right? Nowadays, not so much, friend. So as you can see here, even if you're on paper, you're a paper millionaire, you would be living at the poverty line in retirement just to ensure that you did not outlive your money. Yikes. So that means you need, oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. In the same vein, those math and finance gurus are telling us that the new savings rate is moving on up, like George Jefferson, right? From 15% to 20%. So you remember when I said 20 is the new 15. Industry standard for many, many years up until now, we as a financial, I guess, experts have told our clients that you've got to save at least 15% of your income come hell or high water to get you pushed towards that finish line of retirement. If, you know, for phase two, right? If you want to keep working, by all means, do it. But just to get over that hump so that you're, you can take a part-time job. You can just work charity for the rest of your life, uh, you know, at a thrift store or work with uh, needy dogs at the dog shelter and not worry about a paycheck necessarily, right? But now they're saying, so now I'm saying, <laughs> it's got to be 20%, sis. 20% of your income needs to be saved and socked away so that you can have a relatively successful phase two in life. Yikes. Now, if that sounds intimidating to you, then my husband, mathematical beauty. my husband was just trying to call me. <laughs> if that sounds intimidating to you, please go back and listen to my podcast on how to invert the money success pyramid, Connor style. You'll beat and surpass that 20% minimum savings in no time. Because to be honest with you, it's a mental game. You have the capacity and I don't even know your financial situation, but I can, I can't usually make broad and sweeping statements, but here's one broad and sweeping statement that I'm going to make to you. You have the wherewithal to save at least 20% of your income and still do all your things if you change the way you think about money and the way you do money. So I'll leave you with that because I'm going to do another episode on that. Those are my 10 best tips for beating those recession blues. But let's be honest, recession or no, these are great tips that you can and should implement all the time. I'm going to close out with my new money mantra. So I got this from, um, oh, I forget the gal's name, that writes how to be a badass, right? And then she's written how to be a badass with money and how to do all these things. So they're great books. They're great things and exercises in there to help you overcome maybe some limitations that you're having within yourself, whether it's money, relationships, or what have you. 
So I developed my own money mantra after reading her books and, um, and maybe life in general that I consistently tell myself each and every day, all throughout the day. So here it is. I tell myself, you are worthy. You are worthy of success, happiness, and all the things. That's what I tell myself because I am, I am worthy, right? I'm not a terrible person. I do good things and I deserve to find success and happiness. Then I structure my day on how to be successful, happy, and all the things. I challenge you to come up with a mantra that you can gift to yourself that might help take you to the next level. Because just like L'Oreal, we're worth it, right? I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me today on the Southern Fried Business Podcast, where I help women gain the confidence they need to take control of their checkbooks and live the life they once envisioned for themselves. Join me next week for another timely info drop that will help you level up. Ladies, it's time to fund your life. The opinions and information in this podcast are for general information only. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice.